Hello, welcome back to To Death, the podcast where we talk about criminal couples. How's it going? Kevin here. Ashley here. Sorry, I always forget to introduce myself. Uh, so. What do you got uh, in store for us this time? Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. I heard, I heard it's awful. Uh, so I've been like avoiding this case a little bit because every time you, if you go just search criminal couples, they're the first thing that comes up. And I've been avoiding them because every time I start reading about it, I get really depressed. And it is no different now. Okay. <laughs> I've been like reading about them for like four or five days. and So this is more depressing. Thir- I would argue that it's all four cases, our first ones, uh-huh. rolled up into one. It's more depressing really? than all of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds great. So... Just giving like a, you know, just throwing it out there. If you are sensitive to sexual assault and sodomy of minor children. What the, what is this case? What? Just head out. What are we doing? This is the Ken and Barbie killers. Oh my God. I thought they just murdered Ken and Barbies. No. They call them that because they look like Ken and Barbie. Oh. They are very, you know, what back in the 80s would be considered attractive. Mm people and so they, they look super like normal 40 pounds combined yeah pretty much with blonde hair and <laughs> of blue course eyes. of course of course mm-hmm. yeah they looked you know they looked great but on the inside they were ugly as shit okay all right so if, if you are sensitive to any of that stuff this may be not the episode for you and you can skip past it but if you can i skip can you skip no you can't you volunteered to do this with me all so right. you have to stay around so this is the case of Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. All right, let's say those names a little slower for me. Paul Bernardo. Paul Bernardo. And Carla Homolka. Carla Homolka. Homolka. Okay. They were um, they were based out of Canada, so we're heading over to Canada so for this, this crime. Really? These are Canadian? These are Canadian. This is Canadian. This huh? is Canada. So this goes against the uh, whole neighbor-friendly... <laughs> yes, they were not. How you doing... A. Yeah. No. They give Canada a bad name. Ooh. Let's just say that. They're, nice. Were they close to America, though? Um, Toronto. So, yeah, kind of. I don't know my geography very I well. Think so. I know Windsor's really close. That's what that's the one I'm, I'm familiar with. We used to go there, because in Windsor, in Canada, you could drink at 19. Mm. Yeah. So, we would sneak across the... We would sneak across the bridge. We would legally cross the Ambassador Bridge from Michigan to Canada and drink legally at the age of 19. I was in the Texas Panhandle where I was just surrounded by dirt. So there was no crossing any borders there. Well, there's a big border, I think, right? Oh, no, not you're not by... No, uh, we were really far from there. From the Mexican border. From Mexico, You're on the opposite side. Exactly. Okay, Okay. Yeah. Like I said, we were surrounded by dirt. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> we were surrounded by water. Fresh water. Well, well, except that one that was really dirty. Yeah, yeah. we won't talk about that we one. Won't talk about that <laughs> that's one. for another podcast. Anyways. So, yeah, th- there is some other. They're Canadian. Na- they're Canadian. Th- you'll see most of the Ken and Barbie killers. Uh, Paul Bernardo, on his own, was coined the Scarborough Rapist. Okay. And they also have been known as the um, schoolgirl murders. So. Okay. Yay. Awesome. I'm super. <laughs> I like never want to think about this case once we're done talking about it. So. Great. Let's just let's just jump into this. Okay. So Paul Bernardo, he was born in August of 1964 in Toronto, Ontario. Um, he was born to a really wealthy family. Mm-hmm. Wealthy but dysfunctional family. Um, his mom, she had been adopted by a very well-to-do Toronto lawyer. Okay. Um, and she, I don't know, she had her issues. Um, his father was, um, the son of an Italian immigrant. They came together. His dad was really, really abusive, as was his father. These are the Bernardos, right? Yes, the okay. Bernardos. All right. So I, I'm trying to like get an idea of like Where? why he was the way he was, because that's why that's why I like true crime is because I like to analyze it and figure out why are these people the way they are. Right. What or at least makes someone do that this? Might be 
factors because other people have been in abusive situations and they don't become no absolutely serial killers. absolutely that's very true so but his dad was really abusive to his mother um his mom so he had two older siblings uh, a sister and a brother mm-hmm. and then he was the third child well come to find out he was raised his whole life thinking his dad kenneth was his dad okay okay at the age of 18, his mom drops a bomb on him, tells him, hey, I actually had an affair, and you are the product of an affair. Just like Dennis and Dee Reynolds. Yes. Yes. Somebody's got to get stabbed. Somebody's got to get stabbed. Um, you know, his dad did stick around. Like, his dad was like, I don't care that you're not mine. Like, Oh, he did, so he didn't know either? His dad also? didn't know. Okay. His, his dad never knew so until his mom came It was just like it. that episode then. Wow. Yeah. Of Always Sunny, by the way. Yes. <laughs> so um, his mom became really depressed around this time, around like when he she dropped the bomb on him that he was um, actually a product of a um, extramarital affair. Mm-hmm. So she, it, which, but he was one of three, three kids. Yes, right? the, the older two was his dad was his dad's biological children. Okay, okay. He was the only one that was a product of this affair. I see. So his mom. And all the stuff I've read, basically his mom like retreated down to the basement mm-hmm. and stayed there. She Ooh. never came out of the basement. She um, basically just, tur- they called her the basement troll is what his dad and himself called her. Okay. Like she was very depressed. His dad would go down and sexually assault her whenever he wanted to and oh, come back up. Jesus and Christ. That's it. Paul would degrade her. Which is, I think, where he probably got his disdain for women from, is just the way he saw his dad treating his sure, mom. Sure, sure. So that was a, a terrible and, but this, situation. This like retreat to the basement was like of her own. Yeah. Of her own she doing. She went into like a deep depression. Interesting. And well, also, he, her husband was really abusive. Yeah, so I mean, it sounded like I, it sounded like yeah, that may. Have... She just kind of withdrew from everything huh. and went into a depression instead of leaving or anything. Right. That's how she dealt with it. Which, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yikes. So, he was always, um, like, everyone described him as, like, this perfect kid. Like, he was very easy. He was very well-mannered. He was polite. He was really good at school. Like, he was the all-around, like, <clears throat> I would say all-American boy, but yeah, he was Canadian. All, all, all Canadian, Canadian boy. So, so, he wasn't playing football. He was playing hockey. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he was just this perfect kid who got these perfect grades. Everyone knew he was going to go on to do great things, you know. So um, Bernardo graduated, um, and he inst- before he went to college, he went to work for Amway. Sorry. That's our dog. Oh, my gosh. Always he the squeak. He wants to play. So... He decides to work at Amway. Do you know what Amway is? That's the uh, the trains, right? No. Or I'm thinking of something else. It's the MLM. Oh, that's right. So, I think of Amtrak. Right. So the M- yeah, it's like this huge MLM that's like literally protected by the U.S. government because a bunch of big government people work in Amway. Right. So yeah, he decides to work at this MLM, which he was apparently really good at because he was a good salesman. Okay. Okay. All right. So I don't know. I just thought that was interesting that he was like an MLM. Was funny. So we he, have a puppy guest. His yeah, name his he, his name is Data. He's a husky. He is, and he wants to be involved in all of this. He's he doesn't do the husky thing. He doesn't do the howling or any of the the singing. But he does squeaky his toy a lot. He loves to squeaky his toy, and I just put it on the desk, so he's probably. Can you not bite my feet? <laughs> it hurts. He's a little chompy. <laughs> he's very chompy. So Bernardo ended up attending the University of Toronto Scarborough, and around this time is where he kind of developed his dark sexual fantasies, in which he loved to humiliate women in public. That is how he got off, was doing that. So perfect. So then we have Carla Homolka. She was the eldest daughter. She had... uh, Two other sisters, Lori and Tammy, and she lived in St. Catharines, Ontario. Never heard of it, but okay. she, um, her family was pretty normal. 
nothing going on with them. Mm-hmm. She worked at a pet shop while she was in high school. When she gradu- graduated high school. A pet shop of horrors. <laughs> no, a regular pet shop. Okay. It's kind of funny when I was like watching, like I was watching something on this, and she was actually a vet tech like me. Oh, okay. In my younger years. So she worked at an animal clinic where she actually stole drugs to help commit their crimes. So she sucks. Wait, I'm sorry. She so she was still working there when they were doing mm-hmm. the okay. Yeah. And she would steal like I'm assuming like knockout drugs yeah, or that knockout kind of drugs. Thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anesthetics and stuff like I see. that. Okay. So Carla and Paul met in Scarborough in October of 1987, where they were both attending a convention. She was 17. He was 23. So he actually proposed to her that same year. The okay. age of consent in Ontario was 18. Okay. So, um, oh wait, no, the age of consent in Canada was 14. Yeesh. I mean, it's kind of country. Really? Canada? Oh, Canada. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's like, I think it's like the opposite of America. Like, the more north you get, like, the more country it gets oh, where, you know what i mean yeah now, listen i'm not saying that that's okay but just just an explanation of why it might be that age mm-hmm. yeah where is toronto i know where windsor's at because i've been there quite a few times toronto they're the maple leaves i'm not really sure either i'm so bad with geography yeah let's see let's see Okay, so yeah, All right. it's not actually that much farther than Windsor, actually. Okay, yeah, it's pretty close to yeah. it's like, a, like pretty close to New York. Right, it's like uh, Vermont. New, it's yeah. like New York's part of Canada, where Windsor was our part of Canada, in Detroit. Okay. Okay. Well, that's fun. Yes. So let's talk about their crimes. So I'm going to start with Paul because he actually started committing his crimes before he ever met Carla. Okay. And so w- w- when did they meet? How, how old were they again? So she was 17 and he was 23. They right. met in October of 1987. Gotcha. So, Paul, good God. I've been avoiding like, talking about this. Uh-huh. So like I said, he was really into humiliating and beating up women. He loved control. And he decided that he only wanted to sleep with virgins. That was his thing. That's, it's gross. Yeah. So, uh, May 4th, 1987 was his first um, sexual assault. Was this like a religious thing? No. Not really? No. Not really. Okay. Just a personal thing. Okay. That's what he decided. Okay. That virgins were the only thing that were good enough for him. The only reason I ask is, uh, it just says on, on your note sheet, the, the Scarborough uh, Rapist. I thought it said the Scarborough Baptist. Oh, no. It's, he was coined the Scarborough Rapist. Right, right, right. I, I remember you saying that, but mm-hmm. sorry. Anyway. Not the Scarborough Baptist. That yeah. would be even weirder. Well, yeah. Anyways. So he um, sexually assaulted a 21-year-old woman in front of her parents' house because he followed her home. Okay. Second assault, May 14th, 1987. He attacked a 19-year-old woman in her backyard. Okay, so this started in 87. Yes. Right. July 1987, uh-huh. he had his third sexual assault where he beat a young woman and abandoned her um, after she fought back. So okay. she actually fought him off. Fighting works. Yes. It, right? I guess it, it does. I, getting, I don't want to, no, I don't want to no. tell people bad, wrong things. I would fight. I don't think my likelihood of being sexually assaulted is high, but if that were to happen, I'm pretty sure that would be my instinct. That's what Paul Hull says. Paul Hull says you're supposed to fight because people want a submissive victim. Right, that was compliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you don't want to cause a fuss, right? You don't. You don't want people to notice. You want everything to be very... Just go the way you you envisioned. Yes. So fighting would be contrary to your attacker's plan. Exactly. I'm sorry. This got all out of order. Because yeah. <laughs> there's so much in this case. Like, all my papers are... Ugh, gotta keep these in order. Okay, December 16th. Yeah, that would suck. What would you even do? That, that's awful. Ugh, all these are really awful. Like, So, I'm just going to quickly kind of go through these because there's a lot of them. And I don't want to spend too much time on them. Yeah. 
because um, it's just a lot. We would be here for like four hours. Yeah, this is a huge list. So, so all right, go ahead. I'll just go. I'm just go through it. Shot fire Des- December sixteenth, nineteen eighty seven. Nineteen eighty seven. He uh, sexually assaulted a fifteen year old girl. Um, December twenty third, nineteen eighty seven. He um, he raped a seventeen year old girl at knife point. And at this point is where he was um, being referred to as a Scarborough rapist. Was after after his first sexual assault. Um, April eighteenth, nineteen eighty eight. He attacked a seventeen year old girl. May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty eight. He um, he was nearly caught by a um, officer right at this date. So okay. if he would have been caught here, good God, this is all May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty eight. Almost caught. He was almost caught by a Metro Toronto investigator. Not, no crime committed, but no crime committed. But he was almost caught because um, he was okay. taking, he was stalking someone at a bus. Oh, so he was there. almost. He was working on it. He was working on it, but then this police police officer, officer was like right on his trail, and I don't mm, know that he even knew, knew it. that okay. he was like. But he just there. was around, and he spooked him. Mm-hmm. Yes, see. gotcha. May thirtieth, nineteen eighty-eight, he committed his sixth of sexual assault um, against an eighteen-year-old girl. So if you can see, these are all young girls. Yeah. Um, this is all like in the same like area. Same area, Scarborough, um, the Scarborough area of Canada. I guess it's like a county, basically, like near Toronto. Yes, it's all in this area. Like a suburb, I guess, or something like that. Yeah, I think it's like a. You know how we have counties? Yeah. I think that's how it is. There. The dog. Like, the, the dog. Sorry, she, he's like biting my feet. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm try, trying to keep it together. Um. So October fourth, nineteen eighty-eight, he tried to um sexually assault a teenage girl, but she fought him off, and um he stabbed her twice, but she ended up living. Good for her. I know. November sixth, um, nineteen eighty-eight, he sexually assaulted an eighteen-year-old girl in the backyard of her parents' house. So if you notice, he's doing this in like, like their yards. Yards. Yeah, that's Ugh, crazy. So weird. November sixteenth, nineteen eighty-eight. Wait, sorry, November seventeenth. So what literally the, the next day. Do they not have neighbors? I have no idea. That, that seems to be a theme. That we've come, I've, at least I've noticed in these podcasts, is like, why are neighbors so, like, not seeing what's happening? Unless, maybe he was doing it in the middle of the day. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh. The dog is literally eating Ashley's feet. Yeah, sorry. And it really hurts. <laughs> it, he's got sharp teeth. He's a big old doggy. So, um, 19, November 17th, 1988, they, um, the police develop a task force to try to catch him. Okay? December 27th, 1988, um... An alerted neighbor chased him off after oh, he be, he attempted to do his eighth rape. There we go. There's so, the neighbor. There's the neighbor. They Come chased on, Canada. him off. Step your neighbor game up. So he, this was December 27, 1988. He did not um, sexually assault anyone until June 20th of 1989 after that. So, so he, he must have got spooked. He took his time. Or at least anybody that was found, right? I don't know. That's true. These are reported, <clears throat> so who knows? There could have been some that were non-reported. Yeah. So um, June 20th, 1989, he attempted to sexually assault another girl, but she fought against him, too, and alerted mm-hmm. her neighbors, and she, he fled. Good. And so way he to go, start- neighbors, again. Yeah. All right, good. He started to, he's starting to... Redemption arc for yeah. neighbors. So August 15th, 1989, he committed his eighth sexual assault of a 22-year-old woman. Um, he had been stalking her for a few days before it. Um, November 21st, 1989, Bernardo committed his ninth rape against a 15-year-old girl. December, sec- yeah. December 22nd, 1989, he committed his 10th sexual assault against a 19-year-old girl. And then May 26th, 1990, so we're going to 1990 already, um, he did his 11th sexual assault of a 19-year-old victim. This is all in just like a span of two or three years. Yes. It was exhausting. That's why I'm like, let me just kind of go through these because it's like a lot. So these, this is his time being the Scarborough rapist. So between May and September of 1990, the police had submitted more than 130 suspect samples for DNA testing. So they were like trying to catch him through DNA, which is amazing like in the 1990. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty awesome that they were trying to do that. Um, so... 
Well, that's what got OJ, right? And that was like in the early 90s, wasn't it? <laughs> that's what got OJ. That's what put him in the hot seat for a minute there during his trial. Nothing got OJ. Was it? Yeah. Did they have DNA? Yeah, they did. They started doing DNA. Remember, I only know this because we watched that movie with uh, yeah, made Ross. Yeah, made-for-TV movie, yes. From with Friends. Sarah Paulson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Ross from Friends. And, um... Cuba Gooding Jr. That's right. It was, it was really good. It was a good. Yeah, it was really thing. good. But they uh, they mentioned uh, like, oh, we got this new DNA stuff coming around that we're gonna use this and they're gonna get you. And they're like, Haha, DNA. That sounds like some science nerd stuff. No one's gonna care about that. Turns out they were right. Yeah. Nobody cared about the science nerd stuff. And OJ walked. Gosh. Well, could the glove fit, or didn't fit? If the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Right. <laughs> I even know about that case. I think everyone knows about that one. I think so. Yeah. How could you not? <laughs> so, we should do that. No, that's not a... It's not we'll, a couples. We'll get there once we we'll, run out We'll of, get there once, once we run out of couples, we'll, we'll do OJ. We'll go to OJ. <laughs> Good God, that case. Oof. Involved couples. Like a few couples, right? And not to mention, he's like just out there, out there living his life. And then he wrote, what if I... Or like, if I had done it or whatever. Yeah, like he basically told the story of how he did it. Jeez. Oh my gosh. The audacity. Preposterous. The audacity. So I, I can't help but look at like the preposterous absurdity of this in lab. Some I of know. these in lab. This case is gross. This case is terrible. So I'm trying to talk about other cases. I know. So <laughs> basically, um, in 1990, I only know one. Don't a couple of people that were really close to Paul came to the police to How tell them. Be, so th so this guy had like regular friends, regular like friends bar who was friends, in the university, and chumming it up with guys. And he was totally normal. So he was like in his early 20s at this point, mm -hmm. like a, yeah. like a freck age kind of mm -hmm. almost yes and wow. like a lot of his some of his friends started suspecting that um he was um he was involved as being the scarborough rapist like yeah. there were just certain things that they saw that kind of were like didn't sit well with them so one of his friends he had these friends that were like all brothers they were called the smearins brothers okay one of his friend's wives actually called the police and said like hey you need to... The Smearin brothers? Uh-huh. The Smearin brothers. Okay, and so he had a group of friends and they were... Three like a, brothers. That's interesting. And they were his closest friends. Well, his wife, Tina, called the cops and was like, hey, you need to look into this guy. He frequently talks about like his sex life and like how he loves to like dominate and like humiliate and, women. And he's saying this stuff like in public. In public, like at a bar, oh, basically. Okay. And so she called and like tipped off the police. So they smart, smart, smart. Exactly, and like they had already gotten um, a couple of tips from just other people thinking that he could be. Yeah. So they called him in, November twentieth, nineteen ninety. The cops call him in to interview. Can they do? That's interesting. They can. They, they can't make they can you. Come but he, he voluntarily. He voluntarily okay. came. All right. You, they can't. They couldn't have made him come, but he voluntarily came for an interview. Gotcha. They interviewed him for thirty-five minutes. Um, talked to him. He did. He did resemble the composite sketch that one of the victims had given. Mm -hmm. So remember that one case where there was like that, that ridiculous looking, like cartoony, like composite sketch that was basically a caricature, and it worked. Like some, I, I will. I'll have to show it to you. I, I'm, I'm surprised you don't know what I'm referring to. Being I'm trying a true to crime. It, it like somebody it got caught. Something in my brain. And it was like the most hilarious drawing, but it actually worked enough to get. So you know what I was thinking when you said that. So I don't know if you have like heard much about the Madeline McCann case. It was that little no. girl who went missing like no. um, in a, a different country. Um, they drew her, someone drew her a sailor, and it looks like an egg with a face on it. <laughs> <laughs> we call it Eggman. And it was like the most ridiculous composite sketch. Ever. I would like to do that. One of these, we should just do a funny haha -ha show of like ridiculous like sketch, like police sketches of people. Oh, that would be funny. We should do that oh one my time. God. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that for like, maybe like one day we'll like make a Patreon or something and do like some silly episodes yeah, on that'd be Patreon. Fun. That's, a, that's a cool idea. Yeah. <laughs> So he comes in, he's getting interviewed, and the police were like, wow, he's like very well educated, well adjusted, he's congenial. We love Just, this guy. This, this guy's, no way this guy is the kill, like the rapist. I'm going to ask him to be in my wedding. Exactly. He was like way credible. He told them he would give them everything. He gave them his DNA. He <laughs> did everything they oh, yeah? wanted. Yeah, he did. Uh, okay. So, like, I said, the audacity of these people, like. I'm just uh, sorry. I'm just I, I'm I'm going to avoid the childish joke. Just continue, please. <laughs> like, 
So they let him go. Right. They're like, no way. This guy. This guy's great. It can be. And I don't know. Can you put the pictures up on here? Like, so... Of these people? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can, I, can, I can do that. Just for, for, for those of us who are... are, are Just so the people know... Viewing... Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's check these people out. Oh, yeah. They are definitely that. I mean, but they're like normal looking College people. people. Yeah. Like let's have a beer, bruh. Exactly. They like, say bruh. Oh, no. This guy says bruh. And he's, I mean, do, do Canadians this, say bruh? Well, no. But if he was like around now, he would oh, say, say bruh, bruh. and yeah. then say sorry about it. <laughs> a. And then... That's Carla. That's Carla. Mm-hmm. Very clearly both hammered. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, that's a hammered eye. <laughs> that's right a hammered there. eye. I think there's a beer, like, right in front oh, of, of course. her face. <laughs> I mean, of course, right. I mean, obviously, not exactly Sherlock Holmes in here, but... Yeah. So, I mean, they're super normal-looking they're people. They're their right eye. I know, they are. Maybe the light was bright? I don't know. Ugh. I know, now kill you. Acne. <laughs> are you, like, giving the picture acne? Uh. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Right, so, just, there's another one there. Oh, it looks really different there. So, these were the um, pictures when they got caught. They were, this was see. when they were on trial for their crimes. I see. So, they were both, like, kind of over it. I see. All right. Let's, 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 let's get this. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. If you're yeah. like listening to this on a like podcast streaming service, oh, yeah, yeah. he's drawing devil horns on the picture of Paul Bernardo, which is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Very appropriate. And then big, messed up, bad teeth. There we go. There's that guy. Oh I, I was going to give him an eye patch, but that's eye, too cool. eye patches are too cool yeah, for this guy. Yeah, that's too cool. So let's keep going. So February 1st, 1991, um, he moves to St. Catharines permanently. So the Scarborough sexual assaults completely stop. No. Sorry. I'm done playing. (laughs) This is their wedding picture. Yeah, that's their wedding picture. That actually looks way more like the... The, the bra picture than the this one. This one looks messed up before yeah. I even corrected it. Yeah, that's like I said, they had been caught, so they were not so happy. All yeah. right. <laughs> so he moves to St. Catharines. The Scarborough sexual assaults, they completely stop. But on April 6, 1991, he commits his 12th sexual assault. It was a young victim that was 14. Good God. So, yikes. Yikes. So, okay, now we're moving on because we always escalate, right? The, these rapists always seem to escalate their crimes. They never settle on sexual assault. They usually end up moving to murder. So that's how, like, the Golden State Killer, original Night Stalker, whatever you want to call him, he was first... Um, so, so just, I'm sorry to interrupt, but those, all those cases... Uh, you just listed. No, none of them were murdered. No, they were all just sexual assaults. They were not, all not the, left alive. Not to belittle, but I no, want no, to no. make it clear that they weren't killed yet. They were not killed. They were all <clears throat> left alive. So up until this point, he had not murdered anybody. Okay. Okay. So, but that is all going to change, and Miss Carla Homolka is going to start playing a bigger role in this now. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. She's been completely uninvolved. So she was not involved in his um, sexual assaults as the Scarborough rapist. Okay. No. Um, she, so their relationship was, and I'm going to kind of talk off the cuff about this because I have watched just through the stuff I read. Basically, their relationship was very strange. When she was into his roughness of like humiliating her and like being rough with her. She liked that kind of stuff. She liked it. And he actually was really mean to her about the fact that she was not a virgin when he met her. Okay. He berated her about it. And so instead of being like, dude, this guy's a dick. I'm going to go find someone else, right? Which is what a normal person would do. Just yeah. walk away from this relationship. Cause like, dude, she fully embraced the uh, awfulness. She not only embraced it, she decided Encur- that his that her present to him would be to provide him virgins. Oh, good God. To have sex with. So... It just feels like some version of like Stockholm, like where you, you know what I mean? Like you, you feel like you have to appease yeah, this like I mean, authority of but some I kind. I feel like you'll like, find out in a little bit. She, you like enjoy being she, the lesser of. She was 
she was into all of this. Right. And it was it wasn't Stockholm syndrome because she wasn't a victim that was being held captive. Hmm. She could have left. She was voluntarily there. Not Stockholm syndrome, but something like that. I was. I mean, like. I don't know. She had some. When you were just really about issues. being sub- subservient. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. I'm not. I'm sure a psychiatrist could kind of. Well, break I think that, that stuff's interesting. Maybe Fraser could break that down for us. Why do some women? Fraser would do blame it subsidy? all on mom and dad and be done with it. Okay. Which in this case seems to be well, no, not for her. Her parents were yeah. very normal. Her family was very normal. His parents were the one that was kind of. Some people are just messed crazy. up. Yeah, some, some people are just some jerks. Some people are really messed and up. I don't know. Sometimes maybe there might be some kind of like micro tumor in there that's doing things you don't even know what it's doing. That's true. That was the case with the guy at Austin, in Austin, Texas, oh, who on uh, like the shot up. Um, oh, the, campus. The, the the tower guy. Uh-huh, bell tower. He had a tumor. Oh shit! That's yeah. Not, the that's not the DC sniper. That's no, totally different. That's a totally different. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So let's move on. I don't know about the famous ones. I know about, um, what was that, Kent University? Um, oh, yeah. yeah. That was terrible. The, the Neil Young one? Mm-hmm. The, not, that sounds so weird. The one he wrote a song about? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was terrible. In Ohio. Yeah. Eesh. Eesh. We listened to that uh, on Going to Austin, I think. My Favorite here. Murder. Um, yeah, on that show. They did yeah. a, oh, yeah, My Favorite Murder does a, if you haven't listened to My Favorite Murder, please go listen to them. They're I've freaking fantastic. to them twice. I think both on the way to Austin. But you also went to the live show with me. You did bring me to that. Yeah. They were <clears throat> not on time. They were not on time, but you know what? That's it was, okay. It wasn't their it was fault. I don't think it was their fault. I don't it? think it was their fault either. Houston traffic is crazy. Yeah. They were oh, they were amazing though, and I loved it. Was them fun. So it was fun. It was I enjoyed it. Me too. I enjoyed it. They were amazing. I was disappointed by the what they referred to as a ch- a charcuterie tra- uh, like a uh, box or whatever. And it was that little thing of crackers and cheese. Mm. I was like, that wasn't their fault. No, that was, was the, the venue. venue. It was, it, yeah, no, that wasn't my favorite murders at all. It was just a venue. I was just remember being, oh. Yeah. Eh. Was that there? Was that at Hamilton? No, they had one too. But they at, did. But at Hamilton, I was expecting it. Oh, okay. Like, I knew what I was getting myself into at that point in time. I already knew it was going to be the little crappy box of cheese and crackers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. At, at the first time, I expected a little bit more. Right. You know, like, nah. nah. Not at those uh, concerts. I don't know why I thought. Well, it was my first like murder concert. <laughs> I I thought maybe they did it a little more classy there. I, they do whatever the venues doing. So. Right. I didn't know. Lesson <laughs> learned. Anyway. So let's move on to these murders. So the first murder that Carla and Paul carried out was. So I had t- talked to you earlier about Paul, um, Carla working at a pet shop. So she befriended this girl who was 15, and we're only referring to this girl as Jane Doe. Okay. That's how she's always referred to in everything. That's just how she wanted it, or like her, I'm her family wanted I'm assuming that's how her family wanted her referred to. I, I, they that didn't that want makes her sense to me. Yeah, I, I get that. So she was a 15-year-old girl. She befriended Carla um, on June, 19, June 7, 1991. Um, Carla invited her over. To mm-hmm. hang out with her and Paul. Yeah. So they're working together at the pet store. Yes. Or wait, yeah, no, pets. She said she's a vet tech, though. Do they have vet techs that work at the pet no, store? No, she was at the pet store at this point. Okay, so she, she moved, she went on to, become, to okay. be a vet tech. I so see. at this okay. point, though, she's working still at the pet shop. So she invites this girl to a girls' night out, basically, coming over. Yeah, they're going to hang out shopping. They went out to dinner. Um, Netflix and, and chill. Yeah, I mean, but you know, without the chill part, I mean. Yeah. Or the Netflix because it was the nineties. <laughs> right. So he she brings her back to her house. Blockbuster and chill. <laughs> yeah. So she ends up. Does it always mean sex? When yeah. they say Netflix and chill, yeah, is that that's, always that's what's what implied? It's implied yeah. See, I'm so naive and innocent. When I first heard that term, I legitimately thought people were just talking about hanging out with each other. No, it's usually an implication. Yeah, I learned that as I went on, <laughs> moved on, and I was like, "Is it always have that type of implication?" Apparently, okay, yes, yeah, it, it does. does. Why can't we just chill? I mean, you can. It... Watch some Game of Thrones. That's not on Netflix, though. No, not on Netflix. Think an HBO, HBO Max and chill. <laughs> Anyways, all right, terrible stuff. Yeah, so sorry, it's just such a long case that I'm trying to like trudge it. through it, or we're gonna be here for like a million hours. Well, I don't have anywhere to be, do you? We have dinner reservations. Oh shit! <laughs> all right, moving on. 
So Jane Doe comes over to their house. Um, Carla laces her alcohol with this drug called Halcyon, which is like an anesthetic, basically, that knocks people out. Like, Halcyon, that's a hell of a name for a drug. Yeah, I'm, it, it has to have another name because I haven't ever heard of it. You know what that Halcyon is, right? Like, it, like when people refer to like their Halcyon dates, it's like the, the best days of your life. Back in Oh, no, I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's a word that means, it has a meaning, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I've never heard of that. So it's just an interesting name for like a drug. Like hmm. a, this is like a pet drug or an animal. Yeah, specific? she she got it from from there. Wow. That's how she was getting these. The doctor's drugs. like, the dogs are gonna feel good on this. So she brings her home. Jane Doe loses consciousness consciousness, right? Okay. So the reason Carla had brought um, her home was for a wedding gift because she was a virgin. Good God. So she brought it for Paul. Paul ended up sexual assaulting and sodomizing the girl. Um, she woke up vomiting and thought she didn't realize she had been sexually assaulted. She thought she just got really drunk and passed out because she never drank before. Okay. So she has no idea what had happened to her. Wakes up, no idea. So she was invited back to the house in August of that year. Oh, so she survived that event and like went on. Went on. Thought it, she didn't realize what happened to her. Just oh she got really wasted. Um, so she comes back to their house and um, they sexually assault her again. This is like months later? Mm-hmm. So she came to spend the night. Um, basically, the second time they sexually assaulted her, she stopped breathing because she was drugged so much. So Carla calls 911, but a few minutes later, she's like, never mind, everything's fine, because they get her to come back. Uh. They revive her, and she's fine. And then um, a third time, she comes back to the house. A third time. She still doesn't realize what's going on, this girl. Okay. She just thinks she's hanging out and getting wasted with these people. Yeah. The second time, um, Homolka pressured her to have sex with Paul, and she became upset and left. So she actually didn't get murdered, but she got sexually assaulted a few times. Okay. And this is kind of where it all set off for them. So first murder. Um, 1990, um, Paul was spending a lot of time with Carla's family. Um, They were all kind of intermingled. They really liked him. Like, you know, it was just like a regular family, right? Yeah, yeah. Except that he was a terrible rapist, but you know. Uh Uh-huh. He became obsessed with her sister, okay. Tammy. She was a young, she was younger than Carla, and she was very obsessed with her because she was a virgin too. Um, Carla realized that um, Paul had become really obsessed with her, and instead of being like gross, that's my sister, stay right. away from her. Considering the treatment of. What we saw, like the near-death experience. Of Jane Doe, yeah. So this person has no longer, or had any concern for their sister. No. Jesus Christ. So, um, Carla laced uh, Tammy's spaghetti sauce with crushed Valium. And it's our producer, the cat. Oh, sorry, are we running over? Mm-hmm. All right, sorry. Just get it, get it together, guys. All right, sorry. So, she laced her sister's spaghetti with Valium. Okay. Which made her sister lose consciousness. So she brought her sister down to a basement, and Bernardo began to sexually assault Tammy as Carla watched. What the? How old are these people at this point? I mean, um, just, Tammy, a pain, just to just like to get a. Tammy was um, Tammy was a teenager. Okay, Jesus. So this was her. She year. was fifteen years old. What? Yeah. Is happening. Yeah, I told you it's terrible. I told you I didn't want to do this case for a reason. It's ridiculous. It just doesn't sound real. It's hard to process. I know. So on December 23rd, 1990, uh, Paul and Carla administered sleeping pills to the um, to Tammy again in her eggnog at a Christmas party. Um, after she was unconscious, um, they drug her down to the basement and Paul began to sexually assault her. And what's even worse about all this, which they videotaped all of this. So this was all played at their um, trial. Oh, my God. Yeah, this was all videotaped. So Carla cannot say that she was not involved because it's all on video. Good. So people had to watch that. Yes. Uh, Can you imagine having to watch God. that? Oh, so, so gross. Once they were down in the basement, um, 
goodness. They started sexually assaulting her, and um, she actually ended up dying because she choked on her own vomit. So the pair tried to revive her. They called on one. They tried to hide the evidence. They dressed her back in clothes. Um, but they, um, a little after taking her to the hospital, she was pronounced dead. They actually ended up doing an autopsy on her because she was so young. Like, Carla's parents wanted an autopsy because they were like, what the heck? What happened? Like, yeah. Um, and they ended up um, concluding that it was accidental. She choked on her vomit after the consumption of alcohol. So her parents believed that she just got really drunk and choked on her own vomit. That's how she died. Little did they know it was because she was drugged. They didn't notice the sexual assault or anything like that? I guess they were not checking for it. It's a good question. They didn't know. So that was their first murder. Was Carla's sister, Tammy. So, But if they would have choked, they would have maintained the blood alcohol. They, they could have tested how drunk they were, right? Like, isn't that how that works? They should have tested that. And you would think they would have found Valium in her system. Right. Like, do a tox screen, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they did the... I don't know. These cases just sound like people just being really bad at their jobs. Like making assumptions. Listen, I'm not a detective or a forensics analyst or whatever, but like, guys, try harder. Jesus Christ. I know. Because, I mean, if they would have like been able to identify that this is what happened to her. If you don't want to be doing that job and it's boring for you and you just want to go home, do something else and let somebody who actually like has a passion for like figuring things out. Unless Take maybe, unless maybe I'm thinking like they did test her and she was kind of she did have a high alcohol blood content because yeah. she maybe had drank a little bit too much and they did find Valium in her system and thought maybe well she was just a teenager she was taking Valium and alcohol right right and yeah. then they were just like well she you know did too much of it and she died I guess so I just it's frustrating to me it's that. really frustrating because it yeah you're right it it's really frustrating believe me I don't know. So, I hate to be blaming, you know, I just, listen, friends, well, think, I'm sorry to come at y'all like that. I'm sure very, a lot of you are very good at your jobs, but I feel like some of this is just resulting, the result of sloppy work. It is. And I think like, just naturally we want to like find somebody to blame, right? Because Correct. There, there needs to be someone to blame. There's got to be somebody, it's got to be somebody's fault. And I think that's just a natural thing that's to true. do. That's true. Yeah. So. I, I, looking for the answer in a pool of chaos. Yeah, so Yikes. that was their first murder. Second murder, second murder was a girl named Leslie McAfee. Okay. So in June fifteenth, nineteen ninety one, the first murder, the 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 Barbie's sister, mm-hmm. Jesus Carla's Christ. sister Tammy. So June fifteenth, nineteen ninety one, Paul took a little detour through Burlington, which I'm assuming is Vermont, because it's pretty close to Toronto. So it's halfway between Toronto and St. Catharines. Um, he was there to steal license plates. Bernardo was? Yeah, he was, was selling license plates. I'm assuming because he probably wanted to sell cars at a later time and put like these different license plates on these cars. I don't know exactly This what guy he was who could have just gotten a regular job and like. He did have a regular job. But he's just doing this because he's. I don't know, because he's. Uh, I don't know why he was doing this shit. So he ended up meeting this 14-year-old girl in this neighborhood where he was trying to steal uh, license plates. She had missed her curfew and had actually, her parents had locked her out of her house because oh, wow. she missed her curfew. So they were like, eh, you didn't come on in time. Don't come home at all. Bye. Yeah, don't, don't do that, parents. No, that's... Don't eh, do that. Don't do that. Don't Just, just do send that. them to their room. Yes. Take away their iPad. And don't let them go out again. <laughs> don't let them go out again. So she's just like wandering around. She catches Paul like stealing these um, license plates, but it's like she it, um, fa- like she's not phased by it. He says, and she actually like asks him if he has a cigarette. Bernardo was like, "Hey, yeah, come on, like come to my car." He blindfold blindfolds her, forced her into her car, and drove her to um, him and Carla's house. And comes in, tells Carla, "Hey, we have a playmate." They keep her locked and chained in their basement for several days, torturing her, sexually abusing her, sodomizing her, all while listening to Bob Marley and Dave Bowie. I don't even yeah. know what to say to that. So the, the last day of Leslie's life, um, Carly gave her a lethal dose of that drug, Halcyon, that anesthetic. Uh-huh. 
and um, there's differing accounts of actually how Leslie died. Um, Paul says that um, that it was Carla giving her that lethal dose of that medication. Carla says Paul strangled her. So, hmm. I guess it's whoever you want to believe in he that. He said, case. she said. He said, she said. Right. So they're like, well, shit, now we got to hide this body. Okay. So the pair put the body in the basement. They decided the best way to dispose of her body would be to dismember her. And then encase her body in cement. And then slowly dump the blocks of cement into Lake Gibson. Okay. So they just slowly start dumping her body, which was encased in cement, into this lake. Right. One of the blocks weighed 200 pounds. And yeah. they were transported to this lake. Yeah, cement's heavy. <laughs> so that one, um, that one big block that they had that weighed 200 pounds, um, it didn't end up sinking where they wanted it to and was later found offshore. Okay. It, um, they discovered, some fishers dis- discovered her body in June 29th, 1991. I was about to say, it's... <laughs> Hate to come, but it sounds sounds like a good idea. How the hell did people find this? If you have I guess big, this big blocks big, of I guess this big block actually didn't end up sinking, or like maybe the water retreated yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but why would anybody to... suspect there would be a body inside? So they actually didn't know there was a body inside. Uh-huh. They found a huge block of cement, right. That looked strange to them, so they turned it in. So they're just some... like, "What's this big old piece yeah, of cement?" Yeah. So doing they here? called the cops and said, "Like, hey, oh. this is kind of weird." Like, so oh, okay. So so there in. are people out there checking out the waters, and if they see yeah. something weird, they're gonna. Oh. And they found it, and they were able to like ply up, like I guess, chip apart the cement, and found her um, some of her bodily remains, which was obviously her head, because they were able to um, identify her using her orthodontic appliance. Ah, so, oh my god! I know. Eesh. So then we move on to their third murder, Kristen French. On the afternoon of April sixteenth, nineteen ninety-two, Carla and Paul were driving through St. Catharines, and they were looking. For potential victims. They were scouting. It was just after school, um, right before Good Friday, and they were next to a Catholic school, Catholic high school. They spotted Kristen French, a 15-year-old student, walking home. The couple pulled up, and um, Carla got out and was like, hey, I need help finding our way. Can you give us directions? This, like, pretty blonde girl, I'm sure this 15-year-old was just like, okay, why not? I'm going to give you directions. Sure. you know, it wasn't scary. Right. So once they did that, Paul um, attacked her from behind, put a knife to her neck, and forced her into the car. <sighs> Over the next three days, um, Carla and Paul videotaped themselves torturing, sexually assaulting, and sodomizing her, forcing her to drink large amounts of alcohol and be in, forcing her to behave really submissively to Paul. I, like, again, I can't believe they taped all this. Ugh. It's just... Ugh. Yeah. Sorry, I don't have a lot of feedback for that one. I know. Mm. So, while Bernardo was out buying pizza on April 18th, he was spotted um, by a girl he actually was stalking a previous month ago. Uh-huh. And um, she basically um, went and told um, the... Um, they call it the NRP. I can't remember. Like that. I guess that's what the um, police are called in Canada. Okay. I thought they were Mounties. I wonder what NRP stands for. I'm, I'm joking. I know that not all police in Canada are Mounties. <laughs> that would be cool, though. All on horseback. So, yeah. So, this girl sees, sees um, him. Okay. And she tries to turn him in. Like, right. she She's like, hey, this guy's stalking me. Like, he's out, and this is where he is. Yeah. They didn't do anything about it, the cops. Okay. This is all while Kristen French is still in their basement, tied up alive. Okay. So this could have been intervened on right. if they would have followed up. Right. So um, the couple ended up um, the couple ended up murdering French before going to Carla's house, uh, family's house for Easter dinner. Oh, of course. That was nice of them. Right. right. So... Um, would you like to come to my parents' house for dinner? No, I'll murder you. No, Paul said Carla beat um, Kristen French with a rubber mallet because oh she tried to escape. God. Um, and that uh, Kristen ended up being strangled with a noose tied around her neck and secured to a chest. 
French's um, body was found in a ditch on April 30th, 1992 in Burlington. They got a little lazy with their disposal. They did. Um, and it was so weird because Carla, after she murdered Kristen French, she ended up washing her hair, washing her body, cutting her hair to try to make her look different. Like the, the, the victim or herself? No, she heard the victim. She oh. did this to the victim. Okay. Because she was saying... She thought that... Um, that would be enough to throw off the cops? Yeah. She was trying to, like, impede the identification right. of the victim. Right. A little obfuscation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So, it's so freaking weird. Yeah. I, I suspect... Uh, hopefully, that wouldn't have been that effective. Yeah. Right. So, that was their third murder. So, they're going on about their ridiculous ways when, in summer of 1992, Paul starts abusing Carla. Ah, Okay, of course. Inevitable. Yes. Inevitable, right? Uh, he starts physically abusing her. Um, basically, she tries to go home, um, back to her house, and like tell her um, parents. And she ends up telling her sister Lori's husband, who was a Toronto cop, mm-hmm. that Paul was abusing her. And so this is where it all starts going down. She goes to cop. She starts telling about her abuse, and then it finally ends up coming out. She ends up confessing to their murderous ways. Uh-huh. The Toronto detectives initially interviewed Carla for five hours, and she ends up telling them all about um, Paul and him being the Scarborough rape, rapist. Um, she, like, at first tries to, like, paint herself as a victim. Of course. Of course. That happened in... I think every single one of it's these. happened in every single one. Yeah. Yes, except so. no, not Bonnie Clyde. No, you're right. Not Bonnie no, and Clyde. Not Bonnie and Clyde. But every other one, yeah. yeah. So she's like, you know, yeah, this and this. Like he was the Scarborough rapist. I was scared of him. Right, like I right. went along with it. So of course. Um. So Carly got herself a really good attorney. Okay. <laughs> so Johnny Cochran. <laughs> No. So this guy named George... Some really George... good attorneys in the early 90s. Yeah, there were. So she got this lawyer named George Walker. And it's kind of f- weird how he oh, got God. her. He sh- While she was a veterinary technician, yeah. he act- she actually took care of his cancer-stricken Dalmatian. And that's why he represented her, because she took so uh, such good care of his dog. Best key to a man's heart is his dog. Ugh. Over a period of min- many interviews, um, George Walker realized that Carla was not a victim and that she um, was really much more involved than she said she was. Sure. So um, he, but he, um, like he wasn't really sure that he could negotiate on her behalf. So he, um, he actually recused himself. He decided not to represent her. Gotcha. He was like, e- this was not how I thought it was going to be. Right. I am now fully aware of your guilt and can no longer represent you. Yeah. So in mid-February, um, Paul was arrested in conjunction with the Scarborough rapes and the murders of um, McGaffey and French. So not quite um, the murder of Tammy yet. Mm-hmm. So on February 19th, please. T- Tammy, her sister. Yeah. She, th- he wasn't arrested for Tammy. Okay. Her sister yet. On February 19th, the police executed, like, a search warrant on Carla and Paul's house and found tons of evidence. Sure. Like, just a treasure trove of, of evidence. Paul had written a description of every one of... They're just dumping of... bodies in ditches. I don't think their house is going to no. be... No. Yeah. And Paul had written descriptions of every one of his rapes and his extensive library. And they had also videotaped video tape. I was going to say videotape collection. Video yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't, can't so. blame that on AI deepfakes back then. They found a brief um, home video where they um, were pretty sure where it was proved to them that Carla was way more involved than she said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I told you that George Walker stepped down as her attorney um, and she got a new attorney who ended up getting her a um, plea bargain. Uh-huh. <sighs> so. so that's when she says, I'm guilty, but I'll save you the time. Of the and give me a lesser sentence. Yeah. Yeah. So Mary Siegel, she was a plea bargain specialist for the Attorney General. 
Carla would basically they gave her this plea bargain. Yeah. Carla would get twelve years uh-huh. in prison for each of the two victims, but okay. the sentences would be served concurrently. Oh, okay. Okay. It's weird that they that that's even a thing, but okay. Yeah, it is weird, right? Yeah. That you can serve some at the same time. Yeah, I like, don't know. Let me split myself into two, and I'll serve these parallel. Like, I always thought that was strange that was very too. Weird. So they said she would be eligible parole for parole in a little over three years for good behavior. Yeah. The government even agreed to contact the parole board on Carla's behalf, pointing out the importance of her testimony against call, uh, Paul. Sorry, call. Call, not call Drogo. Call Drogo. <laughs> against Paul. Uh, My son and stars. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, her attorney, um, Siegel, said that she would do what she could to arrange for Carla to serve out her sentence in a psychiatric hospital instead of a prison. So her trial would be very brief, and she waived her right to a preliminary hearing. Okay. In exchange for leniency, Carla agreed that she would tell the truth about her involvement in the crimes and everything she knew. Right. So. Including her sister. Yeah. So, Carla's trial was on June 28th, 1993, and basically it was a media circus. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Her psychiatrist reported, um, reportedly helped set the stage for her plea bargain. The psychologist concluded that Carla knew what it was happening, but she felt totally helpless and unable to enact her own defense mm. or in anyone else's defense. Saying that she was paralyzed in fear. Okay. Which was totally false right because they have video of her like i hate that these people use these excuses you know yeah well yeah try something that's their job i guess right yeah i guess so they just do whatever they can carla left the trial after receiving the agreed upon sentence and prepared herself for paul's trial okay so let's move on to paul's trial Ugh. The trial of Paul Bernardo was delayed two years after his arrest. So he was just oh. in prison for two years. Okay. Well, I guess they were trying to like form a good case against he him. He could have probably... No bail option, I'm telling Oh, no, no, no. Okay. He was in prison. Right. Um, one of the reasons it was delayed was Ken Murray, um, who was his attorney at the time, was in like a really weird ethical situation mm-hmm. because he was, giving, he was giving the videotapes of them sexually assaulting his, their victims. Yeah. And... He actually decided that he was just going to hand it over to the prosecutors. Oh, okay. He was like, no, I'm not keeping this to myself. I'm handing it over. Don't they have to do that? So um, they do in discovery. Yeah. They don't. It's like an Alfred plea. It's totally different thing. You said there's a law where the defense has to, like, share evidence, right? The process. Yes, that's exculpatory, though, Mm. usually. Usually it's exculpatory evidence. I don't know what that word means. Meaning it can. prove their um, innocence. It could be used to prove innocence for someone. Ah, but not prove guilt? I don't know. I'm not really sure how that works. I mean, you're not a lawyer? I'm not a lawyer, no. (laughs) I don't know exactly. So, um, the videotapes were turned over to the prosecutors, and he withdrew from the case. Okay. Uh, My take on it was that he just couldn't represent him anymore. Of course. It was too gross. Yeah. So, he got a veteran defense lawyer, John Rosen... Um, so that whole situation with the switching of the lawyers was really actually, you know, it like how much money you got to pay somebody to take a case like that? Good, Good God. God. I know. But there's always that. There's always a lawyer. And I mean, everyone deserves equal representation. I understand that. Like even in Canada. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I think Canada's probably. They have, they have courts. <laughs> yes. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they have courts. <laughs> I thought they just had, like, a guy behind a curtain and, like, munchkins and stuff. The Canadians are always one step ahead of us, so I'm sure they were. So, in 1995, Bernardo was convicted on all charges um, regarding the kidnapping, rapes, and murders of um, Leslie and Kristen. He also faced trials on the death of Tammy Homolka and several rapes in Scarborough under Canadian law. Um... So he got sentenced. Yeah. He can apply, um, Bernardo can apply for parole after 25 years in prison. Although they said it's likely he'll ever be released. Is he still alive in prison? Mm-hmm. He's Holy still alive sh- in prison. Nikes. Oh, okay. So let's go, let's move on to Carla because I thought this was freaking wild. Okay. So after a two-day hearing in June of 2005, so we're moving to 2005, All right. right? We're out of 87. Yeah, we're in the, in the early 90s, we're actually. In the... We're in 2005. Right, well, 87 is where he started. Where he started, yeah. yeah. 
So this judge in this um, two-day hearing, <laughs> good, good, take all the notes and then burn because <laughs> we never want to think about this again. He ruled that um, Homolka was released on July 4th. So this judge in a two-day hearing, he ruled that Carla was going to be released on July 4th, 2005. Mm. Um, so they, he said she still posed a, a little bit of a risk to the public. Uh-huh. So he um, enacted these conditions on her release. Okay. The conditions were she was to tell the police her home address, work address, and home with who she lives. Uh-huh. She was required to notif- notify police as soon as any of the above changed. Right. She was likewise required to notify police of any change to her name. Mm. If she planned to be away from her home for more than 48 hours, she was to give 72 hours notice. Okay. She could not contact Paul Bernardo, the families of Lisa McGaffey or Kristen French, or the woman known as Jane Doe. Right. She was forbidden to be with people under the age of 16 and to consume drugs other than prescription medication. Right. She was required to continue therapy and counseling, and she was required to provide police with a DNA sample. So on July 4, 2005, Carla was released from prison. Okay. She did not, like, for her crime, she was... She basically served almost no time. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? So she she was granted an interview with a Royal Radio Canadia television. And she kind of tried to tell her side of the story. She affirmed that she would be living in the uh, within the providence of where she was released, this St. Anne des Plaines mm. providence. I don't know how to... Nope. I'm totally butchering that. I'm sure it's French. Yeah. So I don't know how to say that. It's French. <laughs> So she refused to speak about her alleged relationship. She didn't want to talk about it. So she retreated into her own life, being released from prison. Okay. Ugh. But where did she? She just went quietly into the night. So I'll tell you all we know about her okay. at this point. So on November 30th, 2005, Quebec Superior Judge lifted all restrictions imposed on Carla. Okay. So all those restrictions, she was gone. Gone. Same gone. Year. You're good. Same year, gone. Uh, they said that there wasn't enough as evidence to justify them. Okay. Those restrictions. Other than, <laughs> other um, than videotape evidence of you being a monster. Exactly. On June eight, two thousand and six, Carla requested to have her name changed, which was rejected. Mm. In two thousand and seven, Hamolka gave birth to a baby boy. Oh, which I didn't tell you. Mm-hmm. She married her lawyer's brother. What the fuck? So that's, that's process. It sounds like a stupid movie. It sounds like a dumb movie on Ty- Lifetime Channel or I something. Know. So she married her um, her husband's. Although the the, owl, her, the owl, owl one, that brother. movie was that was pretty good. I did like that. The Which old, one? The miniseries with the owl lady. The... Oh um, yeah. No, I can't think of it. Oh the um, staircase. Yeah. Yeah, staircase. the staircase. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, was, was that was really good. Yeah, they did some good acting in that. I, I'm not into this stuff, but I see it in passing. And sometimes it'll look good and I'll watch it. Like the one with uh, Renee Zellweger. Which, Zellweger? Wigger. Oh, that's a, that's a rough word. Zellweger. Then, is it? I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Yeah, that's how I think you pronounce it. And, and Chappelle's show, was. he said Renee Zellweger. Oh, I don't think it's an itch. But it's not an itch? Oh, I don't okay. think so. She was uh, also in that hilarious Jim Carrey movie. The thing, oh yeah. Oh, well, the, um, me, myself, crime, and Irene. Right. The true crime one you are talking about with her in it was the thing about Pam. The thing about Pam. That was good. That was really good. That was actually funny, too. It was. They did a funny little take on it. I liked um, it. They put some... Keith, Keith Morrison was involved in it. It was hilarious. It was they good. They did a good job. It made me... There was part... When they did the reenactment, like, the guy mm-hmm. was disabled or whatever. Yeah. But they did, like, her perspective. Yeah. Of the rean- so he's, like, some kind of, like, kung fu master. Yes. It was it hilarious. Was, it made me laugh. <laughs> It was good. Anyway. So she gave birth in 2007 to a little boy on December 14, 2007. It was reported that Carla had left Canada um, for the Ant- Antilles. I don't know what this is. Oh. Antilles. I don't know. Mountains or something? I, I don't know. So that her one-year-old I want to believe she went off to, to go live in the mountains. Maybe. That's where she deserves. Alone in frozen mountains. So she wanted to leave so she could get her one-year-old out of the public eye mm. so that her one-year-old could leave it lead you a normal life should have thought about that no it is the opposite oh. of frozen mountains oh, it's, a beach. it's a tropical paradise oh okay yeah yeah 
Okay. Yeah. Well, she went to go live in the tropics. It's a it's a group of islands, like some kind of archipelago or something like that. I'm assuming. Hmm. I don't know. On June twenty first, twenty twelve, the a Canadian journalist um, revealed that Homolka had relocated to Guadalupe and changed her name to Leanne Bordalis. Okay. She married. She's married to her lawyer's brother, Derry Bordalis, with whom she has two sons and one daughter. And that is all we know about her at this point. She changed her name in 2012. And is now just living her life. That doesn't seem right. It doesn't really. I know. That's like when I was like reading this case, I was like, how could yeah. this lady that participated in all this stuff already be up? Yeah, I was about to say, where did she get the money for this? But then lawyer. Lawyer. Right. Uh, <laughs> wow. So, yeah, these people sucked. They and now she's living in a tropical paradise. Uh huh. Now she's living in a tro- tropical paradise with her husband and her three children. After providing with a change name. after providing fourteen, fifteen-year-old rape victims to her, then husband. and also being a participant mm-hmm. in, in in the acts as well yeah. and beating people with and killing hammers, her sister, murdering her sister. But now she's just parting it up in the antilles, which is not a frozen tundra mountainscape, no. which I was hoping it was. It's a tropical island paradise. She should be living in a cave. So she doesn't deserve all that sunlight. Yeah. Um, whenever I hear people talk about karma, uh, I'll remember about this little story. God, I hope she gets some karma. Ugh. No, I think this story just proved that karma is not a real thing. Yeah. I mean, maybe one day she'll get karma. Maybe. What happened to the guy? He's Did still we... in prison. Oh, he's still in prison. Yeah. We don't know. He ain't all right. Out. So he's right. he's not serving parallel asynchronous. Uh, sentences no like he gets up for I think he comes up for parole like every like so often Mm -hmm. but basically the the Canadian uh, justice system basically said he ain't ever getting out gotcha they're never gonna let him out and why would you these people seem like people who are not gonna be rehabilitated which is why it's crazy to me that she got out (sighs) the story sucked yeah, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad we got it out of the way because ugh, I hate it. I hated researching it. I hated thinking about it. I told I was telling Kevin the other like yesterday. I had been reading so much about it. I woke up and I was driving to work and I actually drove my wrong route to work, like a route that was gonna take me longer that I knew better just because this was so in my head and I just like blanked out and started driving because I just was like withdrawn into my own mind about this that's how bad it was i don't want to ever think about yeah, it yeah let's never do this again. because i really kind of shortened this down this just should be our final episode <laughs> no. don't let them do that to us uh, like, one final victim i never want to like i don't i, don't, I just never want to think about this again because they're terrible they're it's awful Ugh, it's it's just gross and disgusting it makes me want to take a shot which, and it makes but, me speaking really, of which i kind of actually yeah, have to go do hey but, how, how do you spell canada C A N A D A. Get it? No, I don't get it. Thanks, guys, for joining us. This has been our <laughs> fifth episode of Two Death. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> right, bye. All right.